there's something so amazing and learning a different language you just you untap like a whole new world almost like spiritual and kind of very creative you're listening to the not yet podcast a bi-weekly show exploring the relationship between creativity and spirituality i'm your host Paige polk an emmy award-winning experience director helping you honor the dreams you have for yourself and your community You're in the right place if you have the courage to believe in a world you haven't yet seen. I'm so grateful you're here. Now let's start the show. Before we dive into this podcast episode with Olive Halsell, I wanted to let you know that this is the final podcast episode for the Not Yet Spring 2023 season. So thanks so much for listening. We've had some amazing guests and we have some exciting things cooking up for you in the coming summer 2023 season, especially because you filled out the Not Yet survey that we have been circulating over the past few weeks. Get excited for some new experiences, a new project, and we'll see you again on the podcast and online in July of 2023. We're building a community around purposeful living here, and I'm glad you're joining along for the ride. So let's hop into this episode with Olive Halsell. Welcome back to the Not Yet podcast, where we talk about practices and experiences that are helping you live your mindful, purposeful life. And I am joined today by my new friend, Olive. Hey, Olive. Hi, 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 hi. Olive, where are you in the world right now? I'm actually in London, um, which is really cool because it's really hot. So it's kind of strange. (laughs) Like I got a little bit sunburned today, but I'm normally based in Paris. So it's nice to be home. Ah, it is nice to be home. There's always something about it. Well, um, I'm going to give the sort of black and white version of you. Um, (laughs) Olive is the founder and CEO of Olea Education, a British uh, ed tech startup on a mission to bring every learner into the 21st century multilingual. Olea is the creator of Private Joke, the card game that unleashes multilingual potential, which is crowdfunding from June 2nd through the 22nd for its launch. Olive holds a master's degree in education from the University of Cambridge and speaks English, French, and Mandarin. She resides in Paris, uh, where she eats three croissants per day as a daily ritual. I forgot I put that in. (laughs) (laughs) I do do that. And you know, it's funny, like I I miss my cousins in London. Cousins in London just are not, I mean, they're not, they're not, they're not the same. (laughs) they're not not hitting the same way as the French ones no we actually when I was in Paris I invented a thing called a croissant frite uh which is where you stuff a croissant with chips um my (laughs) French friends were horrified and there were jokes that they could get me to port it for such an act such a heinous act um probably not far from the truth so luckily no one's called the police on me yet but I feel like <laughs> if I do it again, there will be grounds to get me to vote it. <laughs> you know what? In essence, that feels like such a beautiful metaphor. <laughs> such a beautiful metaphor for your approach to multilingualism and cultural appreciation. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know, I know. I try, like, it was, there were good intentions with, with croissant frites, but... um. English people would appreciate them a bit more than the French people. <laughs> so what, do you, 
what do you think? Um, so your bio is sort of a collection of your accomplishments, your recent accomplishments, and also your recent creations. Hmm. Uh, what do you think is missing from your bio when it comes to who's Olive? Ooh, big question. I would say my family. I think identity is a really interesting thing and people can go as narrow and as wide as they want to and it's always changing right your identity is changing on a day-to-day basis but I think for me like my family is really really important and um, I think sometimes in in the UK we have this kind of sarcastic humor and I think you know maybe jokes are made like oh my family whatever you know they'll always be there Um, but I think for me a big part of my identity is being like a big sister um, and kind of, you know, for my little siblings, for them knowing that like I'll always kind of be here um, and, you know, kind of nudging them, you know, lightly like, oh, you guys apply for this internship, do this, learn this language, do this, do this. You know, and I, I hope I'm, I feel like maybe I'm a bit too bossy sometimes, but I feel like that's a really big part of my identity that, um, that you know, you, you never really share in like a professional work setting because you know because you you know people are like oh you've got siblings cool everyone's got siblings you know but to me it's like it's like a really big thing so yeah but I just don't really no one ever says like I'm a I'm a big sister that's who I am <laughs> you know like <laughs> but yeah so I, I guess that's missing I really like that that's a really big part of your identity mm-hmm. uh speaking of someone who has I have made an intentional decision to bring my family more intimately into my life and ask to be in their life more intimately. I would say over the past maybe three years of my life, so in my adulthood, and Mm -hmm. it has dramatically shifted how I orient myself to the world. So I don't think, I think that that's really admirable. and courageous yeah (laughs) you can try I think you can only ever try with with family right because you know like like your identity is always changing and especially you know 2023 like Jesus what a crazy time to be alive right like everything changes so quickly and people are I saw on my Instagram feed this weekend everyone was at this big I have no idea this festival was going on but like all of my French, you know, French friends were at festivals, all my UK friends were at festivals and people are just, you know, going places, they're seeing things that it's almost like the pandemic never happened. So things change really quickly. And I think like when it comes to a kind of a family context, knowing and just being aware and understanding, okay, people are going to change really quickly all the time, but kind of having that, it's like a tree, having that root being like, okay, well, you know, I'll just, I'll just be the trunk, you, you know, you guys, everyone can change, that's fine, but it, this would always be rooted, um, so I think, you know, that's something quite special about family, you can always kind of count on them, even if people change and, and develop in ways that you didn't think they would, so I think that's, um, it's kind of a nice reassuring thing in amongst the, the craziness and how fast things change nowadays, so yeah, family is quite, is a big thing, I think. <laughs> Well, <laughs> you in particular have lived in many places. Like you yourself are a person who moves often and grows and changes often. Um, and so in many ways, it makes sense, at least to me, 
that there is sort of a pillar of strength and stability in your life. And for your, for you, that's your family. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, yeah. I mean, I think it has taken a quite a long time for me to get to this point where I'm like, I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm about. Um, and, you know, maybe in 10 years time, I'll indulge myself and I'll listen back to this and be like, what was I talking about lol you know like um I hope anyway I hope that's the case you know in 10 years time I'm like oh my god like what is going on like that's no like I was so young you know because it's always so cool to do that um but I think it has taken a long time a lot of exploration and meeting new people and discovering new things and trying out lots of different you know hobbies or languages or whatever to kind of get to the point where it's like okay I'm okay with like who this is and then you know not worrying a lot less about what other people think and because a lot of people don't don't think about other people or most people think about themselves right so I think it's yeah I think it's yeah it's taken a long time to kind of be like I'm okay it's okay mm. but things change so you never know <laughs> well there's a really big change happening in your life right now you're bringing private joke to life I am aha uh-huh. yes uh can you tell me uh just elaborate a little bit about um, Private Joke and how it is the most inspired next step for Olea Education. Mm. So Private Joke is, I love it. I have to love it, obviously, because I created it. <laughs> the thing that I love most about Private Joke, so it's a, it's a card game um, with a few little kind of extra pieces added in. Um, and when I see people playing this game it just like I'm like all in I'm like a hundred I'm like this is this is this is it um the goal of so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to rewind 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 um basically when I set up Olia Education in June 2021 um the kind of goal originally was to help Chinese students, so international Chinese students, come to the UK and really flourish under our education system. Um, So I'd worked in China previously. Um, After I finished my undergraduate, I went to Shanghai, wanted to be a journalist, ended up falling into kind of tutoring just to kind of make ends meet. Um, Because journalism, you know, when you first start out, you know, it's really, really tough. Um, So kind of fell into education, really liked it. Um, and then built up this big base of, you know, kind of Chinese students. Um, the the kids liked me because I would I would be like, no homework, it's okay, you don't have to do homework, you know. Like, and I'd be like, yeah. So you know, the tutoring agency has given you guys a list of a hundred words to learn. Let's pick your favorite ten and learn those in a creative way. Let's write a poem. Let's enact them out, etc. And they'd never had a tutor like that. They'd never had a tutor who was encouraging them to celebrate who they were, to be creative, etc. Um, so yeah, so the first year of the business was very much helping Chinese students to really tap into different aspects of their intelligence, essentially. Um, so I did a lot of residential programs for, for a couple of students and, you know, had a, had a a lot who was still in China and wanted to come over to the UK. Um, but essentially I really burnt out after, after about a year, I've, I've just, I just, was exhausted, you know, because China is eight hours ahead. So I was having to get up at kind of four or five a.m. on the weekends. <laughs> it was really unsustainable. And, you know, I kind of was looking at the the demographic that I was working with and, you know, the middle upper class Chinese kids and 
you know, great, like, you know, helping any child to succeed is amazing. It doesn't matter if their background, but I think it, it got to a point where I was like, I just, you know, everything that's happened in the UK post-Brexit and economically, politically, it's sliding. Um, and obviously watching that in Paris, you know, watching the UK from afar, it's like watching a sinking ship. It's really sad. I was like, I have to, I just, something has to be done, you know? So I was like, well, how can I pivot this kind of business into something else? So um, August last year, I decided, I packed up my stuff. I booked a one-way ticket to Morocco um, because at this point I'd, I'd lost my French. I was, you know, I was speaking a lot in Chinese uh, with Chinese clients and my Chinese was, was really good, but I didn't, I dropped the habit of French, which was, which was, it's very naughty. It's very bad. Um, and I really wanted to get it back. So I went back to Morocco and told myself, okay, well, let's ease our way back into French, you know, because they, they speak uh, French in, in Morocco. And yeah. And so I did that. And then at the end of August, I decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pack up, I'm going to emigrate to France, <laughs> something that I'd always wanted to do. Um, and I still had a few Chinese students, so that kind of kept me going. Um, and during that period, it was, I wouldn't say existential, but it it was a very uncomfortable period, right? Because I was kind of, I didn't want to be doing, I didn't really, I didn't, it's not that I didn't like the business that I'd created, but I didn't see it being sustainable and generating positive impact for the masses you know it didn't really reflect what I kind of wanted to to the kind of the mark that I wanted to leave on on the world so it took a fair bit of kind of I cried a lot I do cry quite a lot <laughs> you know wrote a lot of poetry like got my got my French back um and then obviously Brexit meant that I had to come back to the UK after 90 days in France um because I've lost my European rights so I came back to the UK and I did a talk at um so the boys school opposite my school they've always been very very welcoming you know every every time I call them up and I'm like hey can I give you can I, can I do a talk about languages they're always super receptive um so I called them and I was like hello it's me again <laughs> can I do another talk and they were like yes come 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 and I was like cool so I came I uh, went to the talk and I was speaking to the teachers and I was like I just how can I build something and do something to kind of help the UK just lift out of this situation and the situation being that it feels like post-Brexit people were kind of like oh whatever it's fine well now there's even less reason to learn a language now there's even less reason to bother you know making an effort with with you know and I don't know it just it feels like something's changed a bit it feels a bit more closed um and I spoke to the teachers the foreign language teachers and they were like listen Olive you've got a thousand kids in front of you you've just ask them how many of them want to learn a language and there's a lot of them and you ask them how many of them feel capable and you know and very few of them do right because because everyone speaks English and because you know it's really hard and etc so they just very simply were like well there's that's that's your problem your problem is has is right in front of you and it's always been right in front of you so do something do something about that and I was like okay cool well that's well that sounds very easy and then obviously when it sounds easy it's obviously it's never quite easy <laughs> so you know I think um so in January 
I um I got a the you know I got a visa to come back to France. Um, shout out to all of my girlfriends who helped me with the minefield of French administration. Um, I was very fortunate to meet a group of amazing female entrepreneurs when I got to Paris, um, and they really like supported me in every single way. Um, and yeah, so I got back to Paris, and then end of January, February, March was kind of a lot of content, a lot of just talking, talking. Okay, everyone in England needs to be multilingual. How can we? What can we do? Why is this a thing? Tell me about, you know, you. Okay, hi. Who who are you? What's your name? Who are you? How many languages do you speak? What's your story, etc. Just crazy. I went a little bit crazy. I stopped drinking alcohol, stopped partying. Or you know, not that I was doing much of that before, but I was like, okay, I'm I am now a monk for the next three months until I can figure out the thing. I went into proper monk mode. I was like, no one talks to me. Um, no, I. I mean, it's it's a little bit extreme, but you know, I told myself, okay, and until I find the thing, the product that's gonna that's going to do this then I'm like I won't stop until I found it um and so a lot of trial and error a lot of events for Paris expats you know webinars uh with British people who had learned foreign languages getting them to share their story uh started a newsletter onboarded 10 ambassadors who are amazing every two weeks sorry every week they contribute two articles between them you know it's a creative piece or it's a kind of a how-to piece um all kind of geared towards foreign languages and yeah and then so through a lot of trial and error developed the game and then I went back to the UK in kind of April when I was on the streets kind of testing it talking to people um and then decided to spend the whole of May excuse me preparing for the Kickstarter and then June 2nd I was like oh my god it's here oh my god okay okay <laughs> and then yeah so that's why I'm in London because it really kind of um, you know, the campaign, it's easier for me to connect with British people on a deeper level. You know, these are my people, we are one. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's so much, there's just so many references and, you know, political, cultural, et cetera. You know, I know the, like the, you know, it's, it, they're your people that, you know, you can, it's easy to relate to them, et cetera. And the game is really, when I explain it to British people, there's a real sense of, yeah, we need this. Yeah, we need something like this just to, make languages accessible and easy and fun and all these different kinds of languages you know it's not it doesn't have to be limited to French and Spanish which is what we're kind of you know it's what in is inferred at school you know everyone just learns French or Spanish or German it's like no well, but what about Japanese what about Hungarian what about Mandarin what about you know really small niche languages they're all so cool so so yeah so that's private joke that's why I meant a private joke to get people learning languages <laughs> That is that so, so long. Sorry. <laughs> you know what? I enjoyed being on the ride. Did you? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for allowing me on this train ride, this journey with you. And the arc makes sense. I understand why you went back. Mm. I understand why you went back to talk about, okay, before Olea, there was Olive. <laughs> Olive. The the journalist journeying her way mm. through China. And it seems yeah. like languages have been a cultural access point for you. Mm. And you're translating your own personal relationship and love for that access point into a project that can help mm. other people feel that love and connection too. 
Yeah. I mean, I think like the thing with languages is that one of the ambassadors wrote an article a few weeks ago and I fixated on this phrase that she said. She said, languages have souls. And I just was like, oh, like it touched something, you know, so deep. And, and I feel like it's so, it resonates so well. Sometimes people hear a language or they, they, you know, feel connected to a place and they can't explain it, right? They just, they, you just, you just feel like it aligns, right? And I feel like, so among my siblings and I, you know, one learned Arabic and Hebrew, another one learned German and Italian, um, and another learned Spanish. And we're all raised in the same house, you know, we have same parents, you know, okay, we all went to different schools, but that's so interesting. And my mom made a comment saying that it's funny, the languages that each one of us have learned kind of reflect our our personalities a little bit, you know. My brother who did Spanish is very laid back. He's a party dude. He's, you know, he's chill, it's okay. You know, me kind of a bit of a romantic, like, you know, I do love my poetry, learned French, of course. Um, you know, little sister who learned German is a lot more straight down the line. Um, you know, she just wants to be a nurse, so she's very kind of she can deal with stuff, you know, she's very kind of, okay, this is this is how it's gonna go, Ray, organized, etc. So yeah I think there's there's something so amazing and learning a different language you just you untap like a whole new world um and I just I wish that languages could be frames like that in schools I, I feel like there's you know maybe a big potential to kind of reframe languages as something that's almost like spiritual and kind of very creative and I feel like that could maybe certainly Gen Z right like Gen Z are very in tune with a lot more anyway you know in kind of in terms of kind of mindfulness and and where the, the very kind of conscious of where the world is is going right so I feel like there's a big opportunity there to weave languages in with spirituality almost and help people to kind of connect to other people on a very on a deeper level thank you for this mm. thank <laughs> you for this I do like the idea of languages having a soul which mm. makes sense when you have like a collective of beings who are sharing their ideas, cross-pollinating ideas who, well, historically, not so much anymore because we live in this internet land, but historically <laughs> are living and breathing the same air, having the same relation, well, different relationships with the same land, creating cultural constructs, and mm. in many ways holding the same fears and inspirations as one another like they develop a way to communicate that vastness and that's language mm. yeah definitely definitely um I mean it's interesting so the prompts in private joke I, they're all shared human experiences that we that we may or may not have words for so so half of the prompts foreign language words do exist and half of the prompts as far as I know, there are no foreign language words to in kind of to really um, define that that shared human experience. So, I think one of the beautiful things about language is you not only really see inside a culture that that is so different from everything you've ever known, but you can untap untap. Is that a word? I don't untap. I think untap is a word. 
Okay, yeah. reveal, bring out, or like elicit, basically all these like human experiences that you know that we that we all have. Like, there's a there's a word of on the launch. It's quite funny on the um on the launch day. Um, I had a dinner party in Paris. Um, and we had a group of uh, there were eight of us in total, um, with about six different languages, I think, and um, had a a German girl who came along. And she was talking about, she shared a word with us, um, and I'm not sure if I pronounced it correctly, but it's Luften, Luften. Um, and it's basically kind of opening, basically in, in Germany, they kind of have the habit of of opening windows a lot and letting in a lot of fresh air. Um, and she was explaining how it's it's just, it's such a German word because it's so cultural and so many Germans do this, you know, they're like, oh, we must, we must let in fresh air, Lufton, Lufton. Um, and I met, so I went to an, an entrepreneur's kind of pitch night last night and I was talking to this German guy and I and I mentioned um, Lufton to him and he burst out laughing. He was like, how do you know that word? That's so funny. That's such a German word. Um, you know, and we ended up chatting for ages and I, I do feel like it's because, you know, I was able okay, like I, I don't speak German you know like I'm like French and Chinese sure but German I haven't you know I haven't really ventured that way yet and and so it's it's amazing really you know that one word and he just fell about laughing like oh that's so niche that's so funny that's so you know and he and he just you know it's yeah so I, I feel like that's the kind of thing that it shows how powerful language can be. And it does, you don't have to be, you know, fluent. There's different definitions of fluency anyway, but just knowing a couple of phrases, it it shows that real human side. Um, mm. You know, there's something so human about that. So, yeah, Lufton. This conversation is making me, um, inspiring me to reorient my relationship to the languages I'm familiar with yes because <laughs> I grew up speaking English mm. my whole family speaks English like my immediate family and I learned Spanish in school and ended living abroad for a year and a half in Peru and Spain which are two very different kinds of Spanish mm. um, and my fiance We've been together for seven years. Her and her entire family are Haitian mm. and they all speak Haitian Creole. And in many ways, I feel my, my willingness and my desire to recognize and honor their language, even though I'm not fluent in Creole, you know, I, I know a few phrases, ça passe, um, <laughs> whatever word I don't know the word for <laughs> uh, but my willingness and my lightheartedness in approaching it I think has helped me have a much stronger relationship with her family than we could have had otherwise hmm. yeah I completely agree congratulations by the way I didn't know you're engaged That's oh so thank you so much <laughs> weddings <laughs> uh, so uh, we've spoken a bit about how uh, language being a, an access point to a whole different universe a different way of seeing and experiencing and creating life hmm. and I'm curious um, what relationships are helping you stay sort of grounded 
in this process of bringing this very big idea into life? Mm. Um, that is a good, I feel like, because I've moved around so much in the, so every year of my 20s, I've lived in a different place. Um, so Beijing, Birmingham, Shanghai, Dubai, Cambridge, Paris, London, you know, every year has been a different um different place and by the time I leave a place um it's very hard because I kind of force myself to be um in this state of kind of constant discomfort which is really silly but so the relationships keeping me grounded this makes it sound like I have no friends (laughs) it's bad no like it's um I would say kind of different people bring a very different uh, bring very different elements and I think it's been you know with this with this kickstarter with this crowdfunding campaign it's been really um it's incredible really how how people when you when you kind of start with this mission statement and you start spreading the world be like right I am going to ensure that every single monolingual learner is multilingual by the time the 21st century hits I'm not quite sure how exactly that's going to work but that is the goal right and then you start circling people around that and you start you know getting people talking and I've I feel like you know you always I did this I I shared this with a with a friend um a regular friend I haven't shared it with anyone else so so here we go I'll just share it with with the world now um I tend to see people in different colors right so um not to like categorize people but I feel like um you know we have very different relationships with different people and people give out a different energy right and so for me it you know kind of deep red colors people who I've had a very deep connection with you know maybe an ex-boyfriend or you know a kind of a sibling um or like a very close a very close friend etc you know I have a one friend for example I've um Lucy you know we've known each other since we were two (laughs) um um, so you know those kind of people are uh for me like I I don't know if it makes much sense I see them as kind of dark red um you know and then you have kind of friends acquaintances and they're kind of like a like more orangey yellow and then kind of strangers are, are white but then you sometimes you might see a stranger and I'll be like hmm okay like it's like white like a, like a blank canvas but maybe there's like speckles of of other colors in there and it's just I think so the things that kind of keep me um the relationships that I guess are keeping me going is kind of everyone and everyone who has come on this insane very intense very tiring stressful crowdfunding <laughs> right because like and I'm kind of I'm kind of in in the working in the present tense right now because I spent the morning talking to a ton of people um you know I went to the British Library and approached people and was like hey can I show you my game can I ask you questions about languages and it's so interesting I feel like every single person who gives a little boost and who's just like Olive keep going you know every person who 
reads the card prompts and they're like, oh, that's so funny. You know, every person who tries to create a word, every person who shares, a, you know, a foreign language word they know. For me, like it's it's all these tiny accumulations of humans and and you know it doesn't have it can be a relationship of of two minutes you know um or a relationship of of two decades I feel like it's it's a big accumulation of all these people agreeing and being like yeah foreign languages are really important you know so yeah you know family and friends etc like that they, they are very important and um I'm just thinking of, you know, pockets of friends. I have a pocket of friends in in Dubai, you know, I had a really nice, strong community there. And um, in Paris, I was so lucky on my sixth day of moving to Paris, I met this group of female entrepreneurs and I made a friend called Denny and Melissa and they kind of navigated me towards all these other people and, and things snowballed. And by the time I left Paris, um, I had a... <laughs> had a party um so I invented a word so it was a, it was a patut uh so a party and so atut um in French means like see you soon so it was a it was a patut um and I had you know I had a lot of people come to that and I was like wow we you know that really um it was really cool because you know I'd only been there for 90 days um and there's a real hub in Paris there's a, in the 13th there's a place called uh, Station F um, which is like a big kind of old train station that they've developed into this big um, hub of accelerators and et cetera. And, and it's, it's a really great vibe and everything is so close. So a lot of those relationships, you know, whether I just met someone for a coffee and was, you know, asking questions or um, people who helped me with moving and, you know, little things. And yeah, so, you know, the friends in Paris bring something very different from my friends in London, from my friends in China and Cambridge and in Dubai so it's a big accumulation of all these people really no matter how how long or short the relationship has been like for me it's just everyone brings something so different and it's a big snowball effect of people just being like Olive keep going keep going you know so that's been really special it seems like you have the capacity to I don't know if hold is the right word because like these relationships and connections, they don't feel based off of what you're saying stagnant, right? It seems like mm. it's a flow. Like mm. it, it comes to you, you're in that space and then you let it go. But in that letting go, you're still moving in the direction with intention. Mm. And it seems like you have a really large capacity to let in a lot of love. Yeah, and I think, the one of the beautiful things about having lived in all these different places and having met so many people over the past like five six years is you there are so many different types of people oh my goodness there are so many different types of humans walking this earth right so many different colors and shades of people and I think like having seen some really beautiful sides of of humanity and some some of the uglier sides I think you you learn quite quickly quite instinctively that everyone has a very 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 different journey right and it's it's okay for people to come into your life at one point and then join on a bit later right my 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 mom's best friend Emma is the funniest woman she's so funny think think like Adele right like very funny very swears a lot so obviously I won't I won't repeat anything that she said on this podcast um but she always says that 
you should treat people in your life as if you were a bus driver, right? Some people, they get on the bus and immediately you're like, get off, get off my bus, please, please don't. You know, some people, you want your partner to be to, to be next to you when you're driving that bus, right? They're the kind of person, um, so she always said to me, she was like, Olivia, when you get married, imagine you're going to go on a 10-hour bus journey. Who do you want next to you when you drive a bus for 10 hours? So obviously, I... And they said, like, I'm a terrible driver. Like, I should not be allowed to drive. Um, but, you know, and I think there's other analogies. You know, sometimes people, you just, please, could you just sit upstairs on the bus? And you're still on my bus. It's okay. Like, you, you can still be on my bus. But I would, for me, like, I just, it's okay if you're at the back right now. And other people, you don't even have to say that to you, right? They just quietly get on your bus and, and they're always on your bus. And, and you don't. Sometimes you don't even really, you forget that that sounds awful. You forget that they're there. But I think, you know, for me, having having been in all these different places and it can be quite intensive, I think it's, um, it's you know, it's just been very, very eye-opening, you know, when this this kind of crowdfunding period for me is, it's, it feels like a bit of a make or break situation. It's, it's doing really well, but it's almost, you know, it's been so interesting who's come to the front of the bus who's kind of been like Oliver I'm, I'm gonna help you it's okay I'm like wow you you've been at the back of the bus for years what are you doing here you know like it's so it's so nice like um so yeah so I think that's um <laughs> it's such an English analogy <laughs> waiting for the bus in the rain like who's gonna get on this time you know um so yeah I'm excited so many people are coming up to the front of the bus for you. Mm. Mm. What do you think, um, what do you think bringing private joke to life means for, you said a bit about what it means for you, but what do you think it means for Olay education? Mm. Um... I mean, the long, long-term plan is to, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully digitalize this. Um, as soon as the campaign is finished, I have a friend in, in Paris who is quite keen, who's kind of, you know, seen the game been played. Um, so short-term, I, I, I envisage this game in every home where only one language is spoken right I feel like the impact for that is massive because it's so accessible and it's so creative um so the the short term you know for, and I think summer's a good period right because people can pick it up and they can take it camping or whatever they can take it to the beach um you, know, you could have like a night in with friends or whatever so the short-term impact is to really get this game into people's homes and it's a it's a physical game right so it's so it's you know this this is this is not silicon valley high-tech stuff like this is this is a physical game that's produced in cornwall in england right um but the the medium kind of term is is to get this digitalized and then have it as a kind of a cahoot for foreign languages um so fun accessible um and then in the kind of in the long term i'd want it to be um maybe have kind of AI chat GPT embedded where that's the, that kind of, you know, AI can, can, can create these words and humans actually build on that. Right. So you're still, still lever leveraging AI and all the amazing work that's happening in that space, but 
ultimately it's it's humans who are kind of coming together and being like okay well we have the final decision we have the final creative input um and that's such an exciting space right when you look at everything that's that's happening and all the fear surrounding oh my goodness how is chat gpt going to change the face of education of medicine of law um or the you know the legal system it, there's there's so many avenues that it's potentially boom <laughs> that's where it's going when it goes boom um so i think it's keeping this human connection um so alive can be done through languages right um so long term i see it as a digital tool that could be used for schools universities startups whatever so that people can discover new languages um and really build on this human connection so startups it's great for solidifying their culture you know for schools it's great for exploring all these new languages and getting kids excited so that's the long-term goal for Olia. So private joke zoom, facilitates. <laughs> I hope, I hope it facilitates it. We'll see in two weeks when the campaign finishes and I have turned great. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sharing these big hopes and these big dreams. I'm excited for you. Um, and uh, can you share one practice that's helping you discover who you are? Poetry, poetry, poetry. I write so many very bad. Poems. No, they can't be bad, right? That's the great thing about poetry. No, no one can be like that's wrong. Um, I actually, it's a shame. Like I haven't, I haven't been, I haven't forced myself to find the time to write much poetry in the last couple of months, really, which is bad, bad olive. But, um. I have kind of stretches, right? So, so last, I think this, around about this time last year, it was a bit of a bad patch. Um, I'd gone through a breakup and I had, wasn't, was, I was, was struggled to kind of really struggled to, to get through it and um, set myself the challenge of writing a poem every single day. And at the end of that, it was a month, a month period. And after the end of that, I felt so, I don't know, it's almost like poetry kind of, it's like you're it's like pulling out the words from you and untangling them right it's like it's like imagine if inside of you you had all these words and shapes and, and sounds and by writing a poem it's like you can pull out this thread and kind of untangle it and just be like okay I'm gonna stick it on that piece of paper right and that's and that's it um and I struggle to read some of the things that I wrote last year because it's it's really sad it's so sad um but you know it's also cool because you know going back to like the first you know kind of bits of what we were talking about you know identity it changes all the time you know so last year like yes bad bad vibes but it's it's so cool to see the progress and be like wow just one year later that is a big that's big happy days big progress kind of in terms of you know how I have coped with the whole thing so yeah so it's um so poetry I would say 100% has always been my way to just be like okay how can I untangle this and just put it out there and just be like this is how I'm feeling this big squishy mess of all these different languages and these words well I'm looking forward to um a series of multilingual 
poems coming from all of <laughs> they're really sad I'm gonna write some happy ones I will write some happy ones one day but people like sad stuff don't they so maybe I'll, I'm not sure <laughs> you know sad does trend strong um, <laughs> um this is a small aside um but I, I just happened to be reading this book um right now it's called uh, a recipe for more it's by Sarah Elise and the chapter I'm reading about is about uh honoring sadness Mm. uh and how it's a valuable emotion and in many ways it helps us pause it helps us reassess and it helps us evaluate what we need and we it's really hard to evaluate what you need when you're constantly in motion um so I will leave that there and I'll put it in the show notes if someone wants to read it um, as well as the link to your Kickstarter for private joke. Mm, yay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put that link in the show notes. Uh, folks, please support this exciting project. Uh, and can you uh, shout out where the Not Yet community can find you and your work online? Mm, early education because that will lead you to the newsletter. So our newsletter is released every Tuesday, um, depending on how many croissants I have eaten that day. It depends on that that kind of stuff. Um, And so each newsletter is a different theme of kind of multilingualism and the ambassadors do an amazing, amazing, amazing job of keeping those articles coming. Um, The main website, yeah, I also wanted to have a kind of a, a multilingual meetup every month, uh, last a couple of months ago I tried to do it every week but that was in I did go a bit crazy that was quite a lot <laughs> um so I want to have some events I also want to start doing more private joke dinner parties because they were so much fun and yeah so everything will be funneled into the Odia education website so it's odiaeducation.com um and then we have Instagram but the Instagram is kind of and the TikTok I need to I need to work out how to kind of you know build that because at the moment it's just olive's private joke and it's just me kind of documenting every single moment of this kickstarter so it's a little bit crazy it's you know like this morning i was like this is me taking a nap on the floor because i cannot (laughs) 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 so it's a little bit intimate um i think my friends think i've actually lost the plot they think i've gone insane but that's okay it's temporary craziness thanks for listening And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Not Yet. The podcast is hosted by me, Paige Polk, and produced by Paige Polk International. The show art is made by Elizabeth Olguin, and the music is by Elder. Don't forget to subscribe here. And if you want more of this love in your life, visit notyetseries.com to join the Not Yet Project and community.